It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch us recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with us in person while we're recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow us at, at Jenkins and Jones to get notified when we go live. Welcome to Jenkins and Jones on the Volume Podcast Network. It is Saturday, August. I forgot to write down what date it's going to be on Saturday. It's 12th. It's 12th. Am I guessing? Is it the 12th? It's Saturday, August 12th. There we go. <laughs> Shit. Tyler, double check us. Is that correct? Is it it's the 12th? 12th. It's the 12th. It's the 12th. All right. Tomorrow, tomorrow's yeah. the 10th. So, yeah. Tomorrow's okay. the 10th. That's Thursday. Two days from the 10th is the 12th. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're peeling Easy back math when you add it to 10s, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. You didn't so, trust yeah. me? You didn't even no, trust no, me I with just... the date? I trusted you. <laughs> I, of course I trusted you. Literally you. Did. you literally did it. <laughs> you know, John, in my profession, we have a phrase, and it's <laughs> trust but verify. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> respect, 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 respect. All right. This is a special uh, Silly Billy Saturday. Uh, what have you done with your summer vacation uh, episode? We're going to be breaking down uh, the nation of Japan and also the Renaissance tour. As far as we know, those are the two biggest things going on right now. Uh, as always, <laughs> Jenkins and Jones, hosted by LeJethro Jenkins, a.k.a. John. What's up, Bubba's? Dragonfly Jones, a.k.a. Tyler. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm Gardy B, a.k.a. Mike. Mother. They, they, they pulled us. Mike. They hipped us to your fucking game, Mike. You got one over us. On us last, last episode, last you episode, slide dog. Who you. told you? Who said it? I don't know. It, it was about three people, three, four motherfuckers in our mention. They all in your neck, bro. What was we excited about? I don't know. I, I feel. I Why feel like. We... I feel like you, oh. you, you. I feel like you threw us out of whack with the can I pet that dog? And can we I just kind of lost the whole room. No, it's it's on me. I threw Jackson up. I threw Jackson up to you guys, which distracted you. But also, in my defense, 
I genuinely was just very sick when we recorded that podcast. I really did not do it intentionally. <laughs> also, also, we had I to did, record. I, I snuck the, it past myself too. We had to re-record the open a, a couple That's times true. too. So hey, yeah. it's just a you know a calamity of errors. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's a scrimmage yeah. loss. It's a scrimmage oh, loss. It doesn't even count. Motherfucking me, motherfucking Mike. Coming to you live from Hawaii this time. Yeah, <laughs> this nigga been everywhere. We're, we're currently recording the Saturday episode of Jenkins and Jones across every time zone in the United States. I'm in Hawaii, John is in LA, and Tyler's on the East Coast. So. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, that's how dedicated we are to the Jenkins and Jones audience. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> thanks for listening. This podcast and sit transcontinental like a mother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we look, I, I think. People have expressed to us, obviously, one of the things people like about the podcast is just the fact that the three of us are friends and they enjoy listening to us talk about stuff. And sometimes that's, you know, the news of the day. Sometimes it's sports. Sometimes it's more philosophical, whatever. But I know Tyler and I have both had really cool, big experiences. And it occurred to me as I was starting to tell y'all about Japan that people would probably be interested in that conversation. So uh, I thought, you know, why not? Let's just do this on a Saturday episode. And if people don't fuck with it, don't fuck with it. And if you're interested, then, you know, be interested in it. But hey, that was how, if you don't fuck with it, <laughs> don't fuck with us. You know what I'm motto. saying? You know, yeah. that's been the motto for a while. So, hey. But so we did. And it uh, feels like old Jenkins and Jones, too, because Jackson ain't here. You know, I kind of yeah. miss him, right? You yeah, got the, the young buck, you feel me? Gotta, yeah, anyway, I miss his ahead. energy. I miss his energy yeah, and his attention yeah. to detail. Nervous, we, we were, nervous tension he brings to the table, you feel mm -hmm. me? We were just talking before we recorded about the number of reminders to record our audio that he sent us. <laughs> Bro. Hey, we're talking about he's at dinner, and we know for certain he will not be comfortable. <laughs> Did we say we recorded, and he has all the audio and video? He will be stressing <laughs> hell out, bro. He is a 60-year-old, 25-year-old. Flat out, bro. <laughs> He's at Jeez. dinner with his girlfriend with his phone on loud right now. Right. Like, <laughs> guaranteed, like guaranteed that that's what's happening. All right. Well, uh, so my family went to Japan for about two weeks. Uh, we stayed in central Tokyo in uh, Shibuya uh, with friends of my wife's. Uh, and I'm going to bring that up now because when I... A little bit later, it'll come into it. But um, it, it was Char's pastor growing up, Presbyterian uh, pastor. His name is Steve Yamaguchi. Uh, he's Japanese-American, grew up in Southern California. He was the head of the Japanese Presbyterian congregation that Char grew up in. Um, and then he moved up into a higher-up place in the, I think it's called the Presbytery, but like the worldwide organization of Presbyterian churches. And he now has a church in Tokyo. And so that's we were staying in the manse with him. Uh, and his wife and Shar grew up with their family. She helped raise their kids. You know what I mean? So the families go back a long way. Shar's dad was on the hiring committee to hire Steve at the church in Long Beach. So like families have known each other forever. Her I dad really was a pastor or he just worked for a church? No, he, her dad was just very involved in the Japanese Presbyterian church in Long okay. Beach. So he was on okay. the hiring committee. But it, the way it works in the Presbyterian church, and I grew up uh, among sort of like lapsed Catholics, Presbyterian church is the exact opposite. Everything is voted on by the congregation. So mm. like the, the pastor gets hired by the people, you know what I mean? So it is very like democratic in that way. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, he's like a very deep thinker, obviously. And so it, it was his sort of thoughts on Japan that kind of sparked me thinking. But let me paint the picture. Halfway through the trip, I'm walking around and Tokyo is about as different from America as you could imagine a place being and still being on the same planet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I thought 
okay, we've traveled out of the country before. We've been to New York a lot. We've been to San Francisco a lot. We obviously live near LA. Like I know what big cities are like, whatever. But there's no way to comprehend for me, and I've spent a couple months of my life in New York, a city that has twice as many people in it as New York, but that has no dirt or graffiti or <laughs> like no cigarette butts anywhere. Mm-hmm. Anywhere. <laughs> Um, and we were just struck by like, it was just like, it was weird. I think I told y'all this, but when we first walked into the airport, someone had accidentally brought in fruit you're not allowed to bring, if you've never traveled internationally, you're not allowed to bring fruit across borders because you can mess up like the seeds and stuff could mess up the agriculture in a different place. Oh, really? Yeah. And if you've ever come into California, I, you know, you like, like check rice and shit like that. And they might not let you bring yeah. fruit rice in. But I didn't know fruit in particular was an issue. That's interesting. Floral and fauna, bro. They don't let you bring no motherfucking foreign animals or foreign plants. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you bring over like an apple that has a particular kind of tick on it or something, you might destroy Australia. I think The Simpsons did an episode on that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the point. pythons are taking over Florida. Right. You know what I'm saying? So shit like that. You feel me? They right. got the whole state wrapped around. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, Simpsons brought those iguanas to Australia. It was the iguanas. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so, okay. But what we noticed was the lady who got, she got caught. It was a Japanese woman and she got caught by the police. She got caught by the police accidentally bringing fruit in. But the police officer was like a young Japanese woman in her 20s. Mm-hmm. And the exchange was like no interaction you've ever seen between a person and the police ever in your life in the United States of America. They were laughing. It was friendly. She was like, mm. oh, I'm so embarrassed. She immediately turned it over. The woman like kind of patted her on the back and was like, okay, go on about your day. You know, like no big yeah. deal. And I would say like, I'm a straight white dude. Like I'm right. Like the, all of the things that I think we all agree are wrong about policing in America are generally built to benefit people like me. But I'm always stressed around the police mm-hmm. in America, especially at the airport. You know what I mean? You always have the feeling like, oh, something bad is about to happen. And we literally just stood there. Granted, we were off an 18-hour travel day. We just like stared open mouth like, what the – this is a bust in Japan? This is what a bust looks like in Japan? You know how weird that is that y'all feel that way, though? That y'all think that weird is weird is weird. Because I think in most countries, it's not not like that. Like when I visited visited like Kenya and, uh, you know, um, DRC, like – I thought it was because, you know, I'm a nigga, they niggas, you know what I'm saying? Like, so we move a particular way. But yeah. also when I went to Germany, I'm like, I mean, obviously there was, a, it was odd. You know I mean? They looked yeah. at me like, <laughs> you know, like, you're not a, you're not part of the Aryan race. You're There's not a from bit around here. Yeah yeah, 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 you feel me? But it was not, it wasn't, it was much more lax. Coming to the United States is way more uncomfortable. And also yeah. I realized we're way more, um... Um, monitored like the cops on you know we don't you don't even see as many cops in different countries as you right. see here you know so and the, and the police officers in Tokyo a lot of them were like older I mean it was almost like my grandpa like retirement age you, you, you know retire I mean? and like, then be a cop just on some chill shit like yeah you know what I mean like that's kind of because you like people you know right, what I mean right, like right. I'm a police officer because I like talking <laughs> to people or something like what that's yeah. <laughs> That's not, that's not my experience. <laughs> bro, bro, but, keep, keeping, keeping on the topic of the whole, you know, justice system and all that. Are y'all aware of how the Japanese death row functions? No. There's mm. no, death row prisoners have no set date and they tell them when they're going to be executed the morning of. 
Can you imagine the fucking mental torture that that shit is, bro? Just wow. waking up every day, hearing steps coming your way, wondering if that's going to be your last day. What, yeah, what? so, 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 so that's good so, and bad to what's going on for sure. No, but, yeah. That, yeah. but this feeds into some of what I want to talk about in a minute, Tyler. Yeah. That is, that's harsh. Yeah. They have way Jeez. lower murder rates than us. I tell you that motherfucking much. So. <laughs> well, so this is, but this, so this is what I want to talk about. Like, there's so much. Um, first of all, the country is beautiful. It, it really, the whole country is like the size of California, and it, it feels it's it very condensed. The, the Tokyo obviously is very dense. Um, there's no sidewalks really. You're just kind of walking on the side of the street. It's like a. It, it was like a running joke among the people we were staying with that it was like. You just are in what feels like an alley all the time in Shibuya, and it feels like it feels like an alley, but it's a two-way street. Is it uncomfortable? It's, like, because I know, like me walking the street, I feel extremely uncomfortable here in the states. Like, yeah. I think this infrastructure is so different. Maybe it's not like big streets where you're just walking on. So, it was very uncomfortable f- at first, and then yeah. it was still uncomfortable for me just because I was much bigger than the country was designed for as a <laughs> six foot, two hundred plus pound person. Like with shoulders. <laughs> with shoulder, I mean, not yeah. to you know, yeah, but with yeah, shoulders. Yeah. Like, but yeah. when I stood on the subway train or the 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 metro trains, the handles would hit me in about the chin. You know what I mean? So it's just mm-hmm. like everything. You just kind of always bonking into everything, and so. Right, it, right. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it was weird. The cars are all smaller. Like the minivans are like the size of a half like what do they call them a crossover suv or something like yeah yeah everything is just shrunk like a like you know what i mean like a little bit the pickup trucks you kind of feel like you could flip one over if you were angry enough little s10 little (laughs) s10 you know what i mean um but you know but it it was really beautiful all of the nature is right on top of the cities in a way that like at least growing up in california if you're going to mammoth or you're going to big bear or you're going to the beach the city sort of gradually slides away, whereas mm-hmm. in Japan, it just stops. Like, here's the city, and then now it's a forest, like, on the other side of the street. <laughs> is it, wait, so is there, is there a forest amongst the city? Like, city, forest, city? Or is it city, forest, continue? Like, the city the city of Tokyo just stops, and then it's consistent forest. The, the city of Tokyo feels like it never stops, and then it's okay. consistently forest after that. But there, there were some, I mean, it's really interesting. Like, their parks are very different. Their playgrounds don't have any grass. It's just like dirt or sand. Mm. Um, so like kids' parks have no grass in them. And then there aren't, like I was reading about this, they actually have much less park space per person than any of the other like highly developed economies in the world. Mm-hmm. And I believe that what they have for green space is like shrines, basically. So even in Tokyo, there's a really big shrine called the Meiji Jingu, which was like basically a nature preserve with a Shinto shrine. That's the shrine I was telling you all about where we did the prayer tablets and everything. Yeah, yeah. That's just in the middle of the Appreciate city. Appreciate you. Thanks again, my G. For sure. But that's just, in the, that's just in the middle of the city. That's like off yeah. a subway stop and there's a big Shinto shrine gate and then mm-hmm. you walk through it and it's like a densely forested shrine in the middle of the city. So very, like all that stuff's very different. I think I sent to y'all, regardless of your views on Western religion versus Eastern religion or whatever, the setting for their worship is much better than the setting for our worship with all due respect to Catholicism and Protestantism. Like the idea of these shrines and these beautiful settings compared to just a church, it was really kind of jarring to me of how much that would change your worldview if your form of worship involved being outside in a setting like that, you know, like sort of necessarily. Eastern, Eastern religion seems so tapped into you being a part 
of you know the whole spiritual experience whereas like you know western religions christianity etc it's like there's a difference between us down here and you know the guy up in the sky you know what i mean so yeah i can totally see what you're saying there i mean when you showed us the shrine and sent like sent us like the the you know said you sent up some prayers for us like it felt heavier in a particular way because of the setting like yeah. showing us a picture now it just it just it set up like it was almost like i was i was truly appreciative because it felt so real and and heavy as somebody that doesn't even believe in the same things they believe. You st- there's still a certain respect that comes right. with it because of the surroundings and stuff like that. But and I don't like something I enjoy about traveling is there's no way to answer this. Like, would someone from Tokyo who is touring Rome feel that way about Catholic churches? Right. Like right. maybe they maybe they would. You know, like yeah. look at the artistry and the stained glass windows and something like I th- I have no way to answer that because I'm not from mm-hmm. Tokyo. You know, um, but that was definitely a major difference. But so what I wanted to. The, the other major thing I have to mention, the baseball games we went to are the exact opposite of baseball games in America. They're like they're, basketball, but baseball? They're chanting. It's like college. Basketball? Like, it's like like maybe like college basketball at its most extreme, but they're, it's really more like a European soccer game. They're okay, chanting the sense. whole time. Yeah. There's a mm-hmm. band. There's a taiko drummer, like drumming the whole time. Everyone in the stands is doing the team chants and stuff. So it's like, it's much more uh, involved then, you know, you go to a baseball game in America and you kind of just sit there and drink or whatever. And it's they also... In America, you know what I mean? Yeah. Basically. They also have um, what they call beer girls. I don't remember the Japanese word for it, but they literally just run up and down the steps with a cold keg, like a half keg on their back and like cups. So you don't stand up to go get beer. And they were pouring people like whiskey shots too. It's like a whiskey oh. girl. They got it right over there, man. They figure, they figure. Anything involving whiskey, sign your boy up. You know what I'm saying? That is literally the only thing I drink is whiskey. It was just like, you think of like going to a game at Dodger Stadium and you go wait in line for anything for 45 minutes versus like you're sitting there. The stadium is spotlessly clean because they mm-hmm. all clean up after themselves before they leave. Like you just do not see a piece of trash anywhere on the ground in Japan. Um, and then, yeah, they're just running up to you, pouring you cold. Wait, the stadiums are clean too? Yes. Like inside the stadium? Yes. Oh. Like you could like so drop crazy. something on the floor and pick it up and eat it. Like the stadiums are clean, crazy. clean, clean. And I want to correct. That's not the only thing I drink. I drink. That's the only liquor I drink. No water for John. Right. No water for your boy. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, that's actually something that's kind of like Japanese uh, sports fans are kind of famous for. Like when they go to the Olympics, they will stay after a game that Japan competes in and clean up after the other fans. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's like just part of their ethos that they believe in picking up after themselves in that way. Um, but that gets me into what I had talked about with um, Steve and what I was interested in talking to y'all about, which was about halfway through the trip, he and I were walking, I think we were coming back from a baseball game actually. And he was like, you know, so, so what do you think? And I was like, man, like even knowing that I wouldn't read or speak much of the language and knowing how different it was, I'm still surprised by how different it is. Mm -hmm. And he was like, it's pretty different. And so I was just bringing up, I was like, man, it's just cool. Like, it seems so safe. And like, you know, there's like, everyone's polite and everything's so clean. And he kind of like chuckled a little bit. And I was, and I was like, you know, he's been living there for like three years or something. And I, and he'd been a pastor at the same church, I think in the eighties or something. So he knows, you know, Tokyo obviously a lot better than I did. And I was sort of like, you know, what's like, like, what are you laughing at? And he was like, well, 
He's like, the way I've been seeing it is it's kind of the same thing I grew up with in America with this sort of like BS idea of the American suburbs in the 1950s, right? Mm. Monoracial. And it was white in America, obviously, but it's Japanese in Japan. And everything sort of flows down from that, right? Like it's very um, rigid. Like you don't see people dressed differently, particularly when like really? business people are, when business people are coming out of like this rush hour on the train on the Yamanote line, they're dressed the exact same. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, one of the unofficial mottos of Japan that Shar and I learned about in high school when we were taking Japanese language classes was the nail that sticks up gets hammered down, which is, <laughs> but there's so many creatives that come out of, Japan, you know what I mean? That like so people say the same thing about America, and a yeah. lot of that creativity comes from constraint and restriction, right? Yeah. So when you, you shake know? out, you really show, you know what I'm saying, right? But uh, but it really interested me because I obviously, like I think most of our friends, really despise the idea of the American suburbs in the 1950s. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I might appreciate what what the goal was outside of race. Like I appreciate the idea of like, Oh, well-funded schools and parks and libraries that are meant, but that are meant for everyone. Right. Like mm -hmm. the city that I grew up in, not what we think of as the 1950s suburbs. And yet here I was in someone else's country, essentially thinking like, wow, this is really nice. Like, <laughs> they, you know what I mean? Wish like, we had that in America. <laughs> <laughs> Move to Mississippi. You might have that motherfucker. <laughs> right. But, but, but I, but it just, and so, but I, I spent a lot of, I don't really have like a thesis from this yet, but I've been yeah, thinking yeah. quite a bit about it. I think I'll probably write something at some point somewhere. Um, but it, it was just really interesting to me. And, and, and so Steve was saying, he's like, you know, there's a very similar breakdown of sort of niceness and pleasantness and what you would think of as safety against what the reality is, which is like in reality in Japan, the domestic violence rates are extremely, extremely high. Um, and there's not really much of an effort, he said, to do anything about it. It's like, well, that, you know, it is what it is, right? There's tremendous problems with misogyny. Um, and, you know, and uh, this is not like a judgment from one country or another. Obviously, yeah, this America is just has the, the same it's issues. Numbers, yeah. But, um, but it, that was, it was really interesting. And his question to me, he's like, so, you know, he's like, I might feel it might be nice to not see trash and I might feel safer walking around in a certain type of a certain uh, time of day. And he's like, but a, the country that I just described doesn't feel safe to me mm. in the way that it's constructed any more than the 1950s suburbs would have been. And he grew up Japanese sort of on the outside of that bubble mm -hmm. in that time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's it. I just thought that was like a really interesting perspective. I've definitely done a lot of reading since then. Uh, and I'm going to kind of continue chewing on that stuff, but, uh, very interesting, man. It is like for anything you gain, there's a cost, right? Mm -hmm. And like, you want to gain some societal order and all this other stuff. Well, that means you're shoving people outside of that society to do that, right? You're excluding people and they're doing that very intentionally. I, I remember in high school, you know, like this was, we were having a conversation. I mean, like, it's, it's crazy to think about that now, but we had it very calmly. But uh, it was the Hoopers. And this one homie was from, like, they called him the Fear from Zaire. You know what I mean? He was, like, the seven-foot African dude that moved to Alabama. You feel me? And so he ended up getting a scholarship, you know, became a lawyer, brilliant guy, much smarter than everybody that was around him. You know what I mean? But we're having a conversation with all the Hoopers, you know, like, predominantly black, but, you know, about, you know, the, the parents that 
Uh, one one dude was good. We had one ho- white hooper that was good, and the rest were just like the parents basically, you know, yeah. invested a little bit into the company, <laughs> into, into the school. Right. So they got they that kid made the squad. But um, we're having a real conversation about like segregation, you know, what I mean? and, and and integration, and we were talking about the benefits of segregation, where like there has you know there should be a space for people to congregate amongst each other, but there should be respect from the you know like so like. Niggas hanging with niggas, but, you know, we respect the white people doing their shit. You feel me? But we don't really, I don't go to school with them. I don't work with them. You know what I mean? Right. And he, and he was like, he was like, that's the only way he thinks there will be peace. And I remember at like 18, I was thinking like, that is wow to say. But I also can see where he's coming from. I've never thought that because it's always was like, integration is important. You know, separate but equal didn't work. But it was the reasons it didn't work because white people were being were allowing... It wasn't equal. Right. It wasn't equal. There was equal. But if it's truly separate but equal, there's a certain level of peace that you're describing. But also, like, I'm not married to Ratha. You feel me? And I don't have my beautiful daughter. You know, and, and it's, it's, there's a lot... There's a lot... Shar's family tree ends about four generations you, back. You yeah, feel me? Sure. That we're missing yep. out on as well. So, yeah, like, you know, there's there would be a certain level of, you know, comfort that we'd always have and certain rules that we'd all would follow. And it, that, that gives us a certain peace. But we lose a lot of richness from learning from different cultures, you know? So yeah. I don't think he believes that way. He, he thinks that way anymore. But it was just a... I don't know what he thinks anymore. I'm, I, I've talked to him probably like 10 years. But um, that was just interesting back then, him saying that and me thinking like, damn, that does sound like that would be peaceful, even though it would be missing out on a lot of, you know, shared experiences yeah. and growth opportunities. But you saying this kind of reminded me of that. Well, but obviously, said with me, because that was a 20-year-old conversation. I was... 18, 17 when it happened. So, yeah. I mean, mean, fact of the matter is we live in a very segregated nation. Facts. Um, Facts. Vast vast majority of us self-segregate in our personal lives. You you know, with with our friend circle and such. Uh, You know, Mike's the only white person that's come in my house. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I I mean, yeah, people are for sure just, I mean, that's just a a fact of, of life. People are more comfortable around you know, they're kinfolk, they're, they're people. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that was like what I like to think now. And I like, you know, Long Beach was really segregated. Uh, I mean, it, it still is in many ways segregated, right? Like all of America because, because wealth is segregated. So the wealthier areas are tend to be segregated, but like I was brought up in a, like the high school that I went to was like 25% white, 25% black, 25% Asian, 25% Hispanic. And I had friends in all those different groups. You talk about the richness, like, yeah, like that's my life experience is that like, this is great when this works, but I didn't really realize until I graduated high school that it, it does not work like that almost anywhere. Like, like I went to college at Long Beach State, which is like five miles from where I went to high school, segregated as fuck. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The b- black kids did not hang out with the white kids. The white kids did not hang out with the black kids. The Hispanic kids were in La Raza. The Asian kids had their own group. You know what I mean? Like, and that was, like you said, that was done sort of in a self-segregating way. I think the the question that just, like, I don't have an answer for it, but I will think about it uh, even more now than I have before is, is it possible to have a place like Tokyo or Japan or a place like the American suburbs in the 50s where everyone is part of it, you mm-hmm. know, like where we feel like everyone is our kinfolk. And I don't know how to do that without essentially like killing everyone older than us. 
and starting fresh or something because you can't like you can't and shouldn't try to wipe away um what like the things that have happened before right but like but that to me is the question of like could you have a place like this where everyone felt like they were part of the project you know like that they were part of what was being built as opposed to uh my friend domo from long beach uh, shout out domo c save domo on twitter he was in uh, Japan right after us. Domo's uh, black. He's from Long Beach. He's from the east side. He's tatted up. He's, there's a lot of places he wasn't allowed to go in Japan because you're not allowed to have tattoos. He got kicked wow. out of the hotel pool because he had tattoos, right? Wow. Like, and so, it, It's wow. crazy. It's crazy. But that's like, like when we talked about the like developed world economies or whatever – I don't, I mean, like America is, I'm certainly not suggesting that it's succeeding, but it is, uh, we are attempting to have a multiracial democracy and there have not really been any of those <laughs> over sustained periods. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, it, it makes me feel more invested in the project, even if it also makes me question even more whether it's possible or not, I guess is how I would put it. It seems like your experience, because you're you in that space, it was peaceful, right? But like you said, Domo's experience was totally different. And I wonder well, and if that, that, and he, he, people, and he, I would add, he loved Japan. For you sure, know what for I mean? Sure, okay, for sure, he for just sure. was like, oh, this is interesting. That's crazy. But like, but I'm just going to go smoke my weed in the forest. Like, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but if there's, if there's, if you're in, I'm, I'm wondering, like, me, like, even if it was, I was staying, living in a place where it's all black people, I don't know if I, would feel because I mean, like people say, all kinfolk, all skinfolk ain't kinfolk. You know what I mean? Like even amongst black people, there's a lot of different, different there's a lot of differences in the church. Um, for me particularly, I felt like I was being when I separated from my what, what I was believed growing up, and just had my own relationship with God, and I'm allowing my that experience to develop as I grow and and as you know whatever. I I. Throwing like my beliefs from the church, that was a big monkey off my back. You know what I'm saying? I felt like kind of constrained, and it seems like that that the, the the country runs itself in that way. I don't know how much peace you can have I mean, internally, spiritually, mentally. Yeah, existing in that way where you're just constrained. So like, even though it's clean and all that, you know, like it, there has to be space for differences. Right. And I think those differences is what causes people to act the way that we see here in the States and whatnot, or other places that are really diverse. Yeah. I don't know if it's possible. Like, thinking about it, I just don't think it's possible. I just don't think it's possible. I well, think people it, are too insecure. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, Tyler. No, no, I, I was going to say, um, you know, M Mike mentioned that we're trying to do this whole, you know, multiracial, multi-ethnic democracy that's never been pulled off before. We did have a multi-ethnic republic pulled off before, and it was perhaps the greatest empire in world history, which was the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Rome was extremely ethnically diverse, right? Um, it, it, was, it was not uncommon for high-ranking Roman officials and, and the military and the government to be of African descent. Really? Um, I didn't know this. Yes. I did not yes, know that. Absolutely. I did not know it, that. It, um, interracial marriage was not a big deal at all in, in in ancient Rome. Of course, othering has always existed, right? Like Romans look down on the Visigoths, like you know they're barbarians. But if it's you like are classicism and shit like that, yes, but yeah, yes. yeah, but 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 Rome was not an ethno state. There was no, um, you know, this is we are pure Romans because you know we're white Italians. Rome was extremely diverse, and people who didn't even live in Italy and live in Rome, but who fell under the Roman rule, like you know, you'd have somebody you know in in Northern Africa, and and they would say, "Yes, I'm a Roman," and they were considered Roman if they were under Roman rule. Mm. Um, but the shit that changed everything, bro, 
It's fucking racism. Like, like, like I've told people so many times, the racism that we experience today is a fairly new concept in, in human history. This came about, you know, the, 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 the version of racism that we have today with where white supremacy and anti-blackness are the pillars there. That came about during, you know, colonialism, where, mm-hmm. you know, of course, you know, um, slavery, where, you know, you were enslaving black people, you know, white people were enslaving black people and they created, you know, this, this, this caste system where, you know, black people were, were at the bottom and white people were superior, you, you know, in their ideologies there. So, you know, that is what kind of do the whole wrenching things because, you know, like we, like I said, we had a multicultural republic that was perhaps the greatest empire in world history before, but, you know, the, the colonialism and racism have made that probably, you know, a, a tough hill to climb up now. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, barring a like world disaster that causes some sort of a, re- you know what I mean, like a like a, a reset or something. That's I didn't I did not know that about Rome. I, I mean that makes sense though because what we think of as racism now or othering used to be more like England versus Spain, right? I mean, it used to be more nationality based than ethnicity. Right. Right. Huh? Well, 
hard transition. <laughs> How about Beyonce? <laughs> Motherfucking Beyonce. So, so now we're going to talk about some goddamn Beyonce. Huh? Let's do yeah. After that conversation. Okay. <laughs> So shit. Um, shit. I don't we did know where this. To start. I, think, I think I think we might have done this in the wrong order, but yeah. but, but yes. <laughs> but but you know what? This keeps very much in line with with the Renaissance album because Beyonce wanted to give us something to lighten up the mood after all the shitty years we had. So it, it kind of worked out for this conversation. All right, um, there we go. I appreciate that. Yeah. My man. Yeah. Good, My there man. we go. You really, you connected it all. You feel yeah. me? We needed that. Go ahead. Yeah. So um. So yeah, so 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 me and wifey, we saw Beyonce in in Maryland at at the at the Commanders Arena, FedEx Field. Um, <laughs> best concert experience I've ever been to in my life. I, I mean, I number it's one, just the the number one. I've been to a shitload of concerts. Shit, me and John used to kick it at South by Southwest. Like we did yeah. seen all types of shit. Um, now you got to drag me to a festival. Though. Fuck all that, nigga. That <laughs> yeah, shit. I ain't <laughs> never going to a festival, motherfucker. Bro, bro, bro Jackson talking about doing Coachella for for three four days and shit. I'm like, motherfucker, how? Ain't no motherfucking way, dog. Ain't, yeah. ain't something. There's not a single person on the planet that I want to see enough to get out to a festival. Ain't no, happening. I don't give a fuck. No. Ain't no yeah. way. Go ahead, though. But yeah, so um, you know, this is this is. You know, um, me and the wife, we, we've been to a few concerts and it was always kind of, um, you know, conscious that I kind of went along just because she really wanted to fuck with her. You know, like 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 we went to see, you know, Maya and Faith and SW and I fuck with them legends. Right. Yeah. That, yeah, but, for sure. yeah. You know, and Maya's one of my forever crushes, too. So shouts to Maya. Facts. Yeah. Facts. And, and so, still, you know, like still one of the ones. Go ahead. Right. Right. So. So, so you know, it's like, you know, I've gone with her to concerts. like, you know, it's, it's cool. You know, this is this something I'm gonna do for you, really. But, you know, I'm enjoying myself a bit here. Yeah. 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 You know, we're, we went to fucking see Cardi B in Vegas. Worst concert experience my motherfucking life and I love Cardi B but that shit was trash for one we had to dress up to get in that motherfucker so I'm in that bitch in some goddamn khakis and some hard bottoms you got a picture? Car- you got hell a picture? Nah. No, hell no. Bro, Tyler and hard bottoms you love the hell out your wife <laughs> and, and so it was a vacation too bro. when you got married nigga you know yeah. what I'm saying and I, I firmly have a no dressing up on vacation especially rule i have for sure have a no dressing up to have fun rule you know what i'm saying right. and so we was in that month we waited online in vegas for like fucking two hours for one to get in it was packed as fuck we had to pay like 12 dollars for water cardi b only came out and gave us like a 15 minute set i'm in that bitch in some khakis and hard bottoms while cardi's on stage talking about he gonna eat my ass like souffle i'm like why did i need to dress up for this <laughs> why what the fuck is the point but Back to motherfucking Beyonce, the motherfucking queen. This, I was more hyped for this concert than, than than my wife was, dog. Like that Renaissance album means something to me, man. Um, I I would say that I always enjoyed Beyonce's music. You know, I always knew she was a phenomenal performer. I always knew she was a one of one. I always knew she was, you know, that girl. But I would say, like, you know, of course, I love songs along the way. I love, like, you know, me, myself, and I was something. All the homies rock. So, yeah, nigga, right? hey, yeah, that's yeah. an repeat, nigga. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, I love songs like Party and shit, too. Like, Facts. you know, I Facts. rocked with a lot of Beyonce's music. But I would say I really became a fan, like, with Lemonade. When I saw mm-hmm. that shit, when she dropped that motherfucking movie on HBO, and she just gave us such a personal album because that was kind of one of my um one of the reasons I really never really tapped into Beyonce. She, you know, she's a 
a, a, a famously private person, right? Like her music was just, it was just kind of, you know, your, your standard, oh, my, my heart, you broke my heart, but I'm going to still see you through all, or oh, I love you so much, right? Like it, mm-hmm. she really didn't let us in on her personal She just side, made which bops. Was, right, exactly. She yeah. just made bops. But Lemonade was so fucking personal and mm-hmm. she really, you know, like that converted me into a fan. I love that fucking album. And then Renaissance came out. My favorite album of 2022. Virgo's Groove was my, fa- my, my most played song of last year. It's my favorite Beyonce song ever. I'm willing to say that now after like a year sitting on it. So, you know, I was super hyped for this concert. So, you know, we get out there. It's packed as fuck, of course. Um, you know, Beyonce, um, you, uh, 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 she, um, she knows her audience. I'll say that. She had the 8 o'clock start time, but then it go on until 9, which is Right, right aligned with, with, with CPT right there, right? So we appreciate her for that. Also, it's not too late, though, too. Exactly, you know exactly. Because I mean? not, not too late. To sleep, right, you know right, right. We got yeah. out there about 11.30, it was, it was perfect. So, it, like, while watching that, it was just, you have a moment there. She, she did, like, a 35-song set, right? Like, where she did, you know, all the songs of Renaissance, but not necessarily in order. She, like, peppered in her hits in between, right? But she made sure to hit every song on Renaissance and, you know, gave gave you all the hits, too. And she did, like I said, like a 35-song set, and each song had its own choreography, its own video vignette, its own, its own personality. Each song out that, like, 35-song set was its own unique experience with so much care and so much craft put into it. And... Mm-hmm. You know, while watching Beyonce perform, like I said, th- this wasn't just a, oh, wow, Beyonce's really good. Like, I knew she was fucking phenomenal. I knew she was an all-time great. But watching that, you just kind of have a moment. Like, yo, we're watching history. Mm-hmm. We are watching an artist and a performer of an era that is perhaps a bygone era now. And she is still at her peak. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. this wasn't like some some farewell shit. It was like, you know, I don't know if there's another performer who's going to pick up the torch that, that you know, when, when Beyonce drops it. Like, mm. we've got plenty of big stars, but we don't have, like, like, Beyonce is of the era of, like, the monoculture. She's, like, one of the last breeds of that. Like, everyone totally. in fucking 2005, if you listen to music, you knew who Beyonce was, right? Mm-hmm. You knew who Destiny's Child was. You knew some, some of their songs. Like, now, of course, we've got big names. We've got, you know, Drake and Taylor Swift who are selling out arenas and shit. But it's, like, they're not ubiquitous like, you know, Beyonce was, right? Like, like I'm sure we all know Taylor Swift, but how many of us can sing a Taylor Swift song? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's, you know, because the, 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 the way we consume entertainment, the way music is distributed, it's changed, right? Like, Beyonce came up in the era where you just had radio, MTV, BET, that's it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you getting on TRL, that was the pinnacle for a pop star. Right. Like that mm-hmm. was our American bandstand for our generation. And, you know, like I said, it was kind of a monoculture things where where, you know, we got filtered all these stars to us. Whereas of now, you know, and, and you know, this is a great thing for the artists, I think, in this era where you there, there's no gatekeepers. Right. If, if you want to get your music out there, get your ass on social media, get your ass on SoundCloud. You can post your own shit to Apple Music, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So Beyonce is of that bygone era where, you know, I'm not saying she was forced down our throats, but you had there was no escaping her. Now totally. you can escape any any star you any music any musician any artist you want you can escape them now. Beyonce's of that era where where you know that it wasn't necessarily that easy, right? Mm-hmm. And and like I said, she's the only one who's kind of still standing. It's like her and Usher, um, and I think Usher's a distant second. No disrespect to Usher because he's phenomenal. For sure, but he's still yeah, incredible right? though. He's phenomenal. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's still incredible. Um, 
And and it's just, you know, like I said, just watching that, you, I was like, bro, we are witnessing some something of a bygone era who was still at the peak of her game. She dropped in 98, been doing this shit for 25 years. I feel Jeez. like she's still, right? I feel like, I, I, and I think she gave us the best album of her career, you know, in year fucking 24, year 23. So it was just, like I said, it was just a, a moment where I was, you, it fully hits you that you're witnessing history in real time. And like I said, bro, when we talking all time great performers, bro, it's 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 two names up there. It's it's Mike and it's her, and then it's everybody mm-hmm. else. Like mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that fucking show is amazing. I hope we get a documentary out. I'm sure we probably will because that show was just unbelievable. I just can't Mind imagine. Blowing. Like, I mean, you said she was on stage for how long? About two and a half hours. I mean, like doing anything for that, like just standing there and singing, right? Like if you go to an Adele concert, she just stands there. And like you know, puts her arm up and and sings for two and a half hours. That's yeah. super impressive. You throw She's going like to be sweating after that from just standing. Yeah. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah you throw in chore- or you sit down and play the cello for two and a half hours. But to do the the choreography and everything else, like I don't even, I can't even wrap my head around that. Like she must burn as many calories as Braun does. Like seriously, she must no, burn no. like <laughs> two thousand calories. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just up there, yeah. like that's crazy. Yeah. You, you know, it's like I said, I don't who I don't know who she's passing the torch to. Who is going to be? This great of a performer, this great of a vocalist, this great of a dancer, this great of a visionary with 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 her her music videos. Like I don't see anybody in the wings, bro. Like like I said, you know, you know, like you mentioned, Adele can sell out arenas, Taylor Swift can sell out arenas, Drake can sell out arenas. But they're, they're not, not even trying on a show. to. Yeah, yeah, that, like they're, yeah. they're not even like trying to do. Like I I don't even think they're sort of comparable. And I like I like I love nobody's Adele, trying to do what she's Beyonce's not doing, doing. yeah exactly yeah, she's yeah. not like she's not trying to shoot at the same target you know what I mean yeah, she's, yeah, a, yeah, she's yeah. in a different sport in the Olympics I think I mean Usher Usher like you said Usher's probably still out here mm-hmm. you know dance moves all that complete performance but, but, but like but truth be told Usher ain't gave us a heater since like Confessions you know sure. what I'm saying that discography is lacking a bit I, yeah, I, you know? I will say I did like the joint he had with uh Thugger Free Thugger you know what I'm saying yeah. <laughs> I did like the joint he had with uh uh, I forget the name of the song, but that shit was fire to me. No limit, I think it was called. Yeah. That shit was, but yeah, I, I yeah, as far as full album, we ain't really tapped in like that. But yeah, I'm just, I, I, I think I don't know if anybody is coming up dedicating themselves to the is that good at what they do, which is like you know generational, and then dedicating themselves to the craft that is the performing. You know what I mean? In the same way, it's just you know. I just like there's there's nobody I could that I see coming up that's even it's attempting to 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 you know to do anything similar to that. So I don't know, bro. Yeah, she might be the last of of that of that kind for sure. All right, we got any we we got any other? uh, Do you have any other questions for Tyler John? No, brother. I think we're good, man. What was that? Good what was the, there, like like no, without asking you to describe the video too much? What was the best like performance piece? Like what was or what was the one that surprised you the most? Ooh, um, I will I'll, I'll say this without spoiling it too much for the people who are who are going to see it. If you love the ending vocals on Virgo's Groove as much as I do, you are going to love what she does with that. I'll leave it at okay. that. Okay. And I'll, I'll tell y'all when, when we start recording. So. Okay. All right. Okay. For all sure. Right. All right. That's all the time we got for today. We'll be back on Sunday the 13th with another episode. We'll talk to y'all then. Oh, so Sunday the 13th. The third, yes. Sunday yes. the 13th. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.
It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.